Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Radio Days. This is your host, John Hagedorn. Here we feature mostly cop and detective shows, plus adventure, plus surprise. You never know, but it's the best from the golden age of radio. We'll guarantee that. For those of you who want non-stop crime buster and detective shows, you can now add 1001 Radio Crime Solvers to your podcast library. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. Brand new for 2023 and growing fast. Enjoy! The most popular sport on Boston's Charles River is rowing in one-man skulls. Or rather, it was the most popular sport, that is, until they took to beating on one-man skull. Mine! This is another in the adventures of America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator, Johnny Dollar. At insurance investigation, Johnny Dollar is only an expert. At making out his expense account, he's an absolute genius. Expense account submitted by special investigator, Johnny Dollar. To Miss Melanie Carter... Pinckney Street, Beacon Hill, Boston. The following is an accounting of my expenditures during assignment as your representative, investigating list of your relatives who might be interested in murdering you for your insurance. Or, who'd like to rock the old doll to sleep? Or, the unnice niece and the charming young rat who put the few in the word nephew. Expense account item one. $5.98, airfare, Hartford to Boston. Item two, three and a quarter, cab fare, Logan Airport to your residence on Beacon Hill. Who is it? Uh, this is Mr. Dollar, the insurance man from Hartford. electric latch unlocked the door of your flat, and I stepped through, straight out of this century into the last. It was another world, the remnants of which you see today in antique shops, including those Chinese wind chimes that tinkled over by the window. And you, its tiny and aged queen, sat across the 19th century room in your modern throne, that chromium and black leather wheelchair. Come in, come in, Mr. Dollar. Oh. oh what's, what's the matter, ma'am? Oh, nothing, nothing. You just remind me of someone I once knew, that's all. Uh-huh. He was so... Come sit down over here. Thank you, Miss Carter. Uh, I take it you are Miss Carter. Oh, yes, yes, indeed. 
You probably expected a younger woman. <laughs> Maybe, but certainly not one any more attractive. Oh. <laughs> you hold on to that gallantry of yours, young man. It's very difficult to find these days. And a very precious treasure to women. Uh, Miss Carter... Since you seem to know my name, I guess there's not much use in my telling you that I'm the investigator recommended by your insurance company, Royal Life. Oh, yes. They sent me a telegram saying you would be here. No telephone? No. No telephone. You see, Mr. Dollar, I was once a very happy young lady. Yesterday was very good to me. Today and tomorrow. Who knows? And why take chances? What little life I have left, I want to enjoy. That is why I've sent for you. You mean somebody told you I was an early American insurance investigator? No, no, my dear. It's just that experience is such a good teacher. Mr. Dollar, hmm? many years ago, my husband was murdered for his insurance money by his very own brother. Would you hand me my smelling salt, please? Oh, yes, certainly. There you are. Well, fate was very quick in passing judgment on the case because the brother was killed by a runaway horse as he was leaving the scene of his terrible crime. I not only received my half of the insurance money, but also the half that would someday have gone to him. Oh, and now you feel that your life may be in danger for the same reason. Oh, well, whether my life is actually in danger is not the most important thing. It is my mind that is in danger. As beneficiaries to all of my insurance. And as the company may have told you, it is a lot of insurance. Are my niece and my nephew, the children of that murderer. You see, I adopted them after their father's death. Oh, bad blood is bad blood, Mr. Dollar. And I want you to make sure that, that I am not engulfed by it. So, with the two names and addresses you gave me, written in your precise copperplate handwriting, I set out to give the once-over lightly to the two people you were afraid might someday give you a once-over not-so-lightly. Move number one. A quick trip up the financial pathways worn bare by credit bureaus, income tax investigators, and other types of snoops. I learned that thanks to your generosity, both your niece and your nephew had just enough to live graciously on, and uh, thanks to your frugality, no more. Move number two. A quick trip to Cambridge, the address of your nephew, Chalmers Carter. A stylish fire trap near Harvard Square. A maid let me in and summoned her mistress. Her entrance was announced by the jangling of a stack of bracelets and bangles running up her arm. So sorry to keep you waiting, darling. What was it you wanted? <clears throat> uh, how do you do? Uh, Mrs. Carter? Oh, yes. Yeah. I'm Crystal Carter. Of course. Oh, I say that's a beautiful suit you're wearing. Not Boston, I can tell. No, New York. $185. Oh. Right off the racks. Uh, Mrs. Carter, the maid tells me your husband isn't at home. Oh, I know. He isn't? Well, when do you expect him back? He always calls me before he comes. Why? I want to talk to him. That's why. 
Business, you know, that old stuff. Oh, business. Who can have any fun business? Hmm? Who are you, anyway? Sit down. I'm a guy who suddenly knows what the old-fashioned Iceman must have felt like. Huh? Oh. <laughs> who are you, I ask? Mrs. Carter, I am what is known in the investment business as a finder. My job is to find money for people who have bona fide projects, but who are short on cash, with which to develop them. Oh, that sounds like a lovely job. It is, when you find the money. You work on a percentage. Now, right now, out in California, there's a little man who some time ago bought a lot of oil rights covering a big piece of property. It's right near Newhall, where there's been a lot of gushers coming in. He's got the property. I'm looking for the money with which to develop it. I hoped your husband would be interested. Oil? There's a lot of money in oil. Well, of course he's interested. I'll call him right away. Uh, before you do, maybe I'd uh, better tell you. What I'm looking for is a lot of money. Uh-huh. So unless your husband has a lot available, it'll be no use. Well, I... Well, he can get it. I'm sure he can get it. He, he's often told me all I needed was one big chance. Maybe this is it. I know where to reach him on the phone. Where can he reach you? The chance to make a lot of quick money melted the love light right out of Crystal Carter's eyes. And if anything, the money look that replaced it was even wilder. She moved fast. By the time I got back to my hotel, there was a message there telling me where I could find her husband, Chalmers. And her directions took me back into a taxi. Back across the Charles River and move number three to the Bayshore Trotting Club. A fancy little track where millionaires who like the smell of stables see how fast they can make horses trot. Chalmers Carter was up there among the rest, in spirit if not in prosperity, sitting in the low flat grandstand watching the afternoon workouts, knowingly holding a stopwatch in his hand and keeping one eye on a blazed-faced filly who was kicking up the dust in the racing oval and one ear on me. May or may not know, Mr. Carter, the best thing about an oil investment, the first 27% of your income from it is tax-free. What? Say that again. That's right. The first 27%, tax-free. Hmm. Uh, Dollar, just how much money do you need? Mm, about 120000 should do it. Uh-huh. 120000 huh? All right, I'll see what I can do about it. What did you say about 120000 Carter? Uh, George... When you get I'll... your hands on 120000 Chalmers, don't forget the 500 you owe me. Move number four. A quick trip back across the one more river I seem to have to cross, the Charles, to a pompous little apartment on Bay State Road, where I found your niece, Sophia. Very pretty, but uh, very stuffy. Your proposition interests me. However, I would naturally first have to check everything very closely with my business advisor. Oh, naturally. This first visit is only to find out whether you are interested and whether you do have money uh, immediately available. Immediately? Yes. I see. Very well. I think it can be managed. Then, having made those moves, I was in a hurry to move you out of the way, which led me straight back to your flat on Pinckney Street, Beacon Hill. And there, once again, I bumped into what I've learned to expect in my racket, the unexpected. Your apartment door was slightly open. Your wheelchair was empty. And from outside, I saw you across the room, standing there, talking into something that earlier in the day you had very deliberately told me you didn't have. A telephone. Oh, Joseph. I'm so glad I was able to reach you. 
another little job for you to do. I want you to come right over. Both of you. You need Rocky, huh? You know where it is? No. No, this time it's somebody I have to get rid of. I took up a plant in the antique store across the street and waited for your visitors. They were charming. Just the sort of folks you'd expect to see on Beacon Hill, dropping in for a spot of afternoon tea. They were the kind of guys who never wear wristwatches, handcuffs being rough on watch crystals. I gave them a short lead upstairs, then pussyfooted up behind them. Oh, one of these days, my right eye is going to wind up shaped like a keyhole, with my left ear shaped like a cauliflower from pressing against door panels. It's so nice having you young fellows around to depend on. Sit down, sit down. You want some nice tea and cake? No, thanks, dear. We just had some pizza and beer. Yeah, Joe and me just had some pizza and beer. What's on your mind, Grandma? Yeah, what's on your mind, Grandma? Well, boys, you know how worried I've been yeah. about that family of mine. Well, things are even worse now. Yeah, what's up? Yeah, what's up? Well, I want you to understand that it wasn't that I didn't have complete faith in your ability to protect them. Sure, sure, sure. But I finally turned to my insurance company, hoping to save a few dollars. Yeah. yeah. They sent a scoundrel named Dollar from Hartford to protect me, mind you. And do you know what he did? No, what did he do? No, what did he do? Well, just to make sure this Dollar fellow... I called a private detective and had him followed when he left here. Yeah, good. And that detective told me that Dollar went to Sophia and my nephew Chalmers and is trying to entice and to kill me for my insurance money so they can buy some phony oil stock he's trying to sell them. Huh? That guy sounds like a big operator. Yeah, that guy sounds like a big operator. Well, whatever he is. I want that young man out of the way. Grandma, dear, you don't really mean out of the way. That's exactly what I mean. Joseph, I see something I don't like very much. What is it? Some shadows moving around under the edge of the front door. What are we waiting for? Come here, you... I wasn't a match for one of those guys, let alone two. And Rocky, Big Sir Echo, not only repeated everything Joe said, he repeated everything Joe did. Take this! Yeah, take this! That's good. That's very good. Now, that's him. That's Dollar. You hold him. Hold him. Don't let him get away. The Dollar, unless you're in a big hurry to get measured for a cement suit, don't start no funny business. Uh, Don't worry. I feel about as funny as a funeral my own. Well, I hope you've learned your lesson. Although, don't you think for a minute it's all over. This will teach you honesty is the best policy, and cheaters never prosper. Take it easy, Grandma, dear. This boy will not ever bother you again. (laughs) Come on, Buster. Yeah. Come on, Buster. Yeah. Go on, Buster. In just a moment, we will return to the second act of Johnny Dollar. But first, this fall, you hear them all on CBS. And you hear from the top mystery writers as well as top stars like Jack Benny, Bing Crosby, and the Lux Radio Theater luminaries. One such master of mystery, Raymond Chandler, and his world-famous private eye, Philip Marlowe, will be heard from later tonight on most of these same CBS stations. Be sure to hear this latest hard-bitten, wise-cracking adventure of Philip Marlowe later tonight, won't you? Tune in this fall for the shows that you love best of all. 
Listen carefully, here's the address. It's CBS. Now, with our star, Charles Russell, we return to the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Usually, when people are taken for a ride, at least it's a free one. However, Joseph and his friend Rocky didn't feel that way. So, expense account, item three, a buck twenty, cab fare, up Tremont Street toward Boston's south end. The three of us sat packed in the back of the taxi with me in the middle, and just as we passed King's Chapel burying ground, Rocky and Joseph suddenly felt the urge to be alone with me. Hey, driver, crank up your window. We wish to be in private. Well, as it happens, I can't. The crank fell off. Yeah, you and your lousy cab. Yeah, you and your lousy cab. Well, step on it. There were also things to step on in Joe's lousy hotel. Up in his room, they gave me the hot seat of honor on the edge of the bed, stood over me, one on each side, and issued me an invitation, but not to dance. We think you are a smart guy, Dumb, and we want a piece of your action. What are you talking about? Yeah, Joe, what, what are you talking about? That. You just keep your muscles handy. I do the thinking and the talking. Okay, so go do it. Huh? What? Do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see. Where was me? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I was saying, Dollar, you've got a good racket, and we want a piece of your action. Okay, Joe. What do you think my action is? Listen, buddy. I've been around hustlers all my life, so you ain't fooling me. You set up the old lady to get knocked off just like she said. In the meantime, you get all the people who will collect their insurance nice and ready to sell them some no-good oil stock. Your hands are clean, except for a bush league swindle. The most you could get out of that is from three to five years, and that's the only chance you're taking. Joe, you're a genius. Well, let me ask you one thing, though. Why should I go to all that trouble? Why shouldn't I just sell my hot oil stock to the old lady in the first place and save all that extra trouble? Huh? Huh? Uh, That's where guys like you are smarter than guys like me. You got your reasons. You ain't kidding nobody. We like the way you operate. And we want in. Oh, I guess I've found myself a pair of partners. (laughs) Good. Shake. Yeah, shake. No, one at a time. Joe? Rocky? Oh, I'm sorry. This is great. Yeah, Rocky and me have been taking Grandma for a few bucks now and then, protecting her from them squares she's afraid of. (laughs) But I never thought it would turn into anything as big as this. Just out of curiosity, how'd you guys meet Grandma in the first place? Uh, We was doing a little social break in the Nenton one night, and it turned out to be her house, yeah? She got the drop on this, see? We seen it air in our wheelchair, pushed her into the bedroom, and went to work. Yeah, yeah, went to work. And the next thing we know, she's standing there pointing a old shotgun at us. What? You creep, that was no shotgun. What? Ah, what you, uh, it's a very hysterical musket. Oh. You stupid. She told me. Uh, let's see, where, where was we? Uh, oh, yeah, anyway, that's how we met her. She made us a deal. She wouldn't call the cops if we'd done a return. Besides, she paid us for it. We ought to have a bottle set up. Yeah. What for? Well, all we got to do is wait till the nephew or the niece knock off the ready. So why not have a drink while we're waiting? Oh, whoa, now, hold everything. That's not the way to do it. 
How come? Yeah, how come? Now, look, if we sit here, we blow a big chance. The chance to get rid of whoever murders the old doll. We see who do it. We turn them in. They're out of the way, and the insurance money goes to the other one. Then I go to work on them. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. You see what I mean, Rocky? That's why guys like him has got more brains than guys like me. Yeah, more brains than guys like me, too. And spade. Okay, Donna, what do we do? I was in a bad spot, but I'd put you, Andy Carter, in a worse one, hoping to attract any bad apples that might be hanging on your family tree. Then all of a sudden, you decided I was a worm and eliminated me as your number one protector. Among your spoiled family fruit, there was nephew Chalmers, fishy-eyed and money-hungry, his wife, Crystal, who was no killer to look at, but who could be sure of her with a gun in her hand. Then there was Sophia. She was stuffy, but strangely reminded me of a precocious young lady who strangled her mother so that she might wear her evening gown to her high school senior prom. So, when Joseph, expert in giving a fellow's eye a coat of many colors, asked me, what do we do now? I honestly didn't know. The best answer I could come up with was get back to where we could keep an eye on your address on Pinckney Street. But when we got there, Pinckney Street was blocked off by blue uniforms, and reinforcements were still arriving. Hey, what's going on? Yeah, what's going on? Well, you got to be sure of one thing. This ain't the policeman's ball. Look, how well are you guys known to the Boston police? And some of their best quiz masters. They failed to make us talk. Yeah, they failed to make us talk. Okay, you better let me go ahead. Uh, not too far ahead. Don't worry. Hey, look, Joseph, uh, the cops are coming down out of her house. Oh, what do you mean now? Looks like the job is all done. Yeah, I'd better get up the hill and find out for sure. And don't forget, partner, we're watching. Don't worry. Keep moving, folks, with it. Just keep moving, mister. Hey, uh, officer. What? Officer. Yeah. I'm, I'm Dollar of the Boston Globe. Uh, What's going on? Am I going to make the front page? Yeah, you might. Well, what's it all about? Some dame, a friend of the commissioner's, called for protection. Oh, I thought it was a murder. It is. By the huh? time we get here, the dame up there is colder than Sunday morning beans. How do you like that? Uh, hey, Dollar, when you're writing this story, my my name is Fred Mosher. Huh? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, Fred Mosher. Yeah, yeah. I used to play basketball for the Boys Club of Boston. And when you're writing this story, put my name in, will you? Uh, the wife will get a kick out of it. Well, I gotta get back to headquarters. Headquarters? Hey, officer, yeah. uh, uh, Fred, yeah. come here. Listen, I'll see that you get your name in the paper if you do me a favor. Oh. Act like you're arresting me, will you? A couple of friends of mine are just down the street. I want to pull a gag on them. Sure. With or without handcuffs. Anyway, just grab me by the elbow and throw me in that squad car. I could tell by the eyes of Joseph and Rocky that I had just successfully dissolved a partnership. At the corner of Arlington and Boylston, I swapped the patrol car for a cab. And what do you know? I headed back across the Charles River to Cambridge. Oh, hello, darling. I'm sorry the maid wasn't here to answer the door. I'm all alone. Isn't that funny? Come on. Right in here. Would you mind, Crystal, mm -hmm. walking just a few more steps ahead of me? It'll make you easier to follow. <laughs> yeah. Here we are. Make yourself at home. 
Where's your husband? Oh, stop worrying about my husband. He had to go out for a while on business. I told you before, he always calls before he comes home. In case I want to bring something. How long has he been gone? I wish you'd stop worrying about Charles. Why don't you stop paying some attention to little sick Wait a minute now, stop. Get a grip on yourself. Wait, oh. Watch it. Crystal, what are you up to? Oh, stop it. Stop it, I say. Hi. Oh, it's you, Dollar. A finder, huh? Just what are you trying to find? Now, wait a minute, Carter. Oh, Thomas, thank heavens your body or he forced his way in. He's from New York. I am not. I'm from Hartford. It's only my suit that's from New York. Why, you despicable cat. I've a good notion to to thrash you to within an inch of your life. I was certainly in no position to ask any questions around there, so I hit him a shot in the whiskers and left. And where do you think I went? Back across the Charles River to Bay State Road and niece Sophia's pompous little apartment. Nobody answered, so I broke rule number three in the book of how not to get your head split open when nobody answers the door. Picked the burglar's friend type lock and went in. I thought at first I'd set off a new polite kind of burglar alarm, but it was only a grandfather clock tolling out 10 p.m. as the moonlight boffed me smack in the kisser. First thing I saw out the window was my friend the Charles River, over which I'd made more crosses than the X-Man in a tic-tac-toe tournament. My tongue was as dry as that was wet. The second thing I saw, thanks to my fountain pen type flashlight, was an open drawer in a kidney shaped desk. Sophia Carter was no housekeeper. The white paper lining inside it was dusty, except for the portion that held the vacant outline of a junior miss sized revolver. Then the lights went on. Well, Mr. Dollar, you'll be the death of me yet. Auntie, what are you doing alive? Oh, you you hoped I'd be dead, didn't you? Well, I'm not. I'm not, you see? Yeah, I sure do see. But you'll be dead if I pull this trigger. Honey, <laughs> when I don't walk in on a man with a gun in his hand, it's a matter of courage. When I don't throw a flying tackle on a girl with a gun in her hand, it's a matter of etiquette. And when I don't get rough with an old lady holding a gun in her hand, it's a matter of knowing that your age, your reflexes are gone. You can be talk out of things. With me holding your gun hand straight up overhead, I hope nobody's at home upstairs. Give me that. Let me go. Let me go. Don't you kill me. Everybody's trying to kill me. Sophia was when she came to my flat this afternoon. Oh, which must mean that Sophia is the body in your flat tonight. The body I thought was yours. I know she was. She's been threatening to kill me for years. Now, what's that you've got in your other hand? No, no, you can't. Here, give it no, to me now. No, you can't Come on. it. No, no, no. What I ripped out of her hand was a very old note written on very old paper. Give me that. And reading it, what with the clawing, scratching 82-year-old woman tucked under one arm, it read like a voice from out of the past. That is mine. The voice of that 82-year-old woman's long-dead husband, Caleb Carter. To my beloved niece, Sophia. In these last remaining moments of consciousness, I tell you this. My wife, Melanie, has made repeated attempts upon my life. This time, 
I'm afraid she has succeeded. Also, crushing the light from your father, my brother, beneath the wheels of her carriage as he rushed to my rescue. Well, I guess this means that Sophia had this letter and has been holding it over your head for years. Yes. He's been blackmailing me. Blackmailing me. Blackmailing me. Melanie, it was your conscience that first called me into this case to protect you from your relatives. It was your conscience that hired that private detective to protect you from me. And it was your conscience that got you mixed up with Joe and Rocky to protect you from the detective and me. Then again, it was that same old conscience that called in the police to protect you from your gangster friends. Now, there's only one more thing, I hope. What's that? That that same conscience will prevent you from making an undignified surrender. My arm. Thank you, young man. Your arm. Expense account, item four, 15 bucks, pipe and slippers. Appeasement to Charmer's Carter, nephew of the accused. To give him a symbol that all I was really trying to find was a way to straighten out his home life. Item five, $50, uh, a personally autographed check in lieu of his name in the paper to patrolman Fred Mosier so that the wife would still get a kick out of the publication of his name on the payable to line of said check. Expense account item six, $15. Gift to Joseph and Rocky. One roll of tickets on the River Queen sightseeing boat, which gives daily round-trip tours of the Charles River. Maybe they'll do me a favor and fall in. Uh, item seven, $5.98. Airfare, Boston to Hartford. Expense account total? Uh, uh, what's the use? Where you are now, Aunt Melanie Carter... You're never going to be in a position to pay. I won't even bother to sign it. Yours, mm, truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar is produced and directed by Gordon T. Hughes and stars Charles Russell, script by Paul Dudley and Gil Dowd. Be sure to be with us at this same time next week when another unusual expense account is handed in by... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. I knew when I went to the desert that anyone who plays around with cactus is liable to get stuck. But I didn't remember that another way of saying death is going west. This is another in the adventures of America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator, Johnny Dollar. At insurance investigation, Johnny Dollar is only an expert. At making out his expense account, he's an absolute genius. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar. 
to Old Caledonia Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. Attention, Oscar M. Wheaton, Chief Investment Counsel. The following is an accounting of my expenditures during my investigation of suspected skullduggery in the Skull Canyon mine. Or, uh, Mr. Bones, who was that lady I seen you with last night? Or, messing with a mule train is one good way to kick off. Expense account, item one. 25 cents. Tipped to busboy who brought telephone to my table at the Blue Danube restaurant, Robertson Boulevard, Los Angeles, uh, where I happened to be uh, working on a case. Your call came right after the liver dumpling soup, taking me out of the soup plate and putting me in the soup. Now, this is the story, Dollar. You make notes and don't interrupt. Two years ago, this company made an investment in a bona fide working gold mine, the Skull Canyon Mine. That's just outside Twin Buttes, Arizona. I see. I said don't interrupt. That's just over the border from Nogales, Mexico. Now, up until three months ago, everything was fine. The profits shown by the mine were good. And then suddenly, our returns dropped 50%. However, operating expenses, man hours, and so on remain the same, indicating there's been no fall-off in the removal of high SAR. Now, there's something wrong. We want you to go down there and find out what it is. Expense account, item two, $12.80. I decided that since you'd invited yourself to the table, dinner at the Blue Danube was on you. Oh, in case you're interested in what you didn't have, it was uh, that liver dumpling soup, veal paprikash, Harry Strudel and a small coffee. Enjoyed with that case I was working on. An eccentric millionaire who wanted to marry me for her money. She had yes, yes in her eyes, but when I told her I had to say goodnight immediately, she said, Oh, no. Expense account item three, $120. Burns Lee Flying Service. Charter plane to Twin Buttes where I checked into the Waterfield Hotel. Called the mine and told the girl who answered that I wanted transportation out there. She said she'd come after me. Having seen too many Western movies, I figured she'd arrive in a buckboard, but instead she picked me up in a Jeep. Oh. Oh. Hey, slow down, will you? Before my teeth start falling out. Oh, sorry. I, um, forgot you were tenderfoot. That's not where I'm tender. Oh. Uh, by the way, Miss Moreland... How far is it out to the mine? 23 miles. Oh, no. Is the road like this all the way? Oh, no. About another half mile out of town, there isn't any road at all. Oh, oh. oh if I ever lived through this. From now on, I'm taking my bumps in a burlesque theater. Oh. Much better than walking, mister. Yeah. Say, uh, you said you're out here representing the owner. Uh, What's your job? Uh, well, I'm a, an efficiency expert. Oh, uh, speaking of efficiency, what's your first name? Jackie. Oh, well, in that case, mine should be Gwendolyn. But it's not. It's Johnny. Well, let's not bother shaking hands on it, pal. Here comes the end of the road. Oh, 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 oh. The scenery was jumping around like a whole movie. My teeth were trying to find out how much abuse my uppers would take from my lowers. I felt like I was gradually being hammered down from a tall, thin man into a short, round one. And there I was, caught without my rhinestone-studded motorcycle belt. Well, here you are. Want me to help you out? Oh, very funny. 
Go <laughs> away. Get lost, you little monster. I'll admit I look like a bag of bones, but I'm too young to die. Go on, I'll beat it. Oh, be a good dog now. Lie down, Nugget. Down. Yeah, Nugget, drop dead. This the mine office? This is it. Well, Dollar, welcome to Skull Canyon. I'm Doyle, the manager out here. I'd be happier to meet you if I met you in town. Mr. Dollar's in a foul mood, Jeff. That ride was a little too much for him. That ride would have been a little bit too much for Buffalo Bill. <laughs> well, that's how Jackie keeps that figure as trim as she does. Now, come on inside, Dollar. That's where the books are, and that's where the chairs are. With cushions, I hope. I'll see you guys. All yeah, right. Sit down. Thanks. Oh. Oh. Well, there you are. You'll find all the figures right in that big, fat book. Uh, all but Jackie's. Well, I'm not in any hurry to do my arithmetic. Tell me, uh, what do you think of the results around here? You know more about it than I do. How are things going? Well, Dollar, I'll tell you. It was going better than it is right now. Mm-hmm. Just a few months back, we worked out a pay vein. I'm hoping we'll pick it up again any day now. That sounds reasonable. Any trouble? Help, equipment, working conditions? Well, working conditions could be a lot better, but that, that's a geographical problem. You see, the mine is located here, and the big water supply is eight miles west. We haul the ore across the desert by mule train to the smelter. If it's cheaper than trucks, we'd have to build a road for them. Not here, hay is cheaper than gasoline. Uh, you'd, um, like to take a look at the mine? Frankly, Mr. Doyle, I'd just as soon climb up a chimney. I hate dark, confined spaces. But, since it's part of my job, I might as well get it over with. The entrance into the mine was through an attic, a horizontal shaft into the side of a hill. We rode in on the tail end of a small red dynamite car, drawn by a donkey junior grade, a burrow. It was cooler in there, but I started to sweat the minute we left sunlight and fresh air behind us. I could hear the jackhammers nibbling little gold ear bobs out of the quartz rock for the Christmas tree. Then I heard them stop, and Doyle told me why. Uh, sounds like they're about ready to blast. Oh, great. Oh, open your mouth and cover your eyes. Fifty yards deeper into the earth, I was beginning to think that mankind is mighty hard to satisfy. The Lord gave us the world's whole surface, then we had to go and invent gold mines and airplanes. And right then, I'd have settled for an airplane. Oh, what's the matter, Dollar? You look a little green. Oh, feel a little green. Well, look, look, take some deep breaths and hold them as long as you can. Okay. Yeah, there, that's, that'll perk you up. Well, this is it. Right here is the only face we're working. Ah, it doesn't help. So this is it, huh? Well, let's see the rest of it. What? I told you, this is it. This is the only face we're working. Okay, you guys. Keep it moving. Load that oar. Fill them up. Come on, bend your back. (laughs) Well, let's get out of here, Dollar. Okay, Doyle. I've seen what I came to see. And I also figured I had heard what I came to hear. Dinner that night I had with Doyle and Jackie. 
and the steak they served gave me a rough idea of what they did with their old burrows. Doyle's attitude gave me a rough idea that maybe he'd seen my eyes light up when I heard those jackhammers snorting away in some other part of the mine, just after he had told me that where we were standing was the only place being worked. After dinner, Doyle went back to the mine, leaving me alone with Jackie, which was better than dessert. Uh, by the way, Jackie, just what's your job out here? Oh, I'm just sort of a secretary and bookkeeper and chief driver. Uh-huh. How'd you happen to land here in Skull Canyon? Well, I took the job because I was going to marry the man who was the manager then, Doyle's old boss. I met him in college. He was a mining engineer. His name was Larry Hodges. Oh, what happened? I was left at the altar. When I got out here, he was gone. Guess he got stage fright and changed his mind. Anyway, nobody's heard from him since. Least of all me. Come on, I'll show you where you sleep. Nugget the dog was carrying on a long-distance conversation with his country cousins, the coyotes up in the hills. The air was soft and warm, and so was Jackie's arm. Stars hung low. And so did my spirits when she bid me goodnight, after she introduced me to my roommate. Hiya, sonny. An old mule skinner named Kangaroo. Uh, make yourself comfortable. Oh, that chance. Well, better than a sand bed and a saddle pillar. Uh, for a pine shack, this has a mighty fancy floor. What is it, mahogany? Nope. Tobacco juice. <laughs> helps keep out the sidewinders. What do you mean, helps? Little snake critters crawl in out of the hot sun to get cool. Where are you from, sonny? Uh, Hartford, Connecticut. Well, I'll be turned to. I don't reckon it shows through, but I'm an Easterner myself. Come out from New York State 53 years ago. Little town of Prattville. County seat it was. Mm, that's pretty dull. What'd you say? Oh, nothing. Say, uh, are you the one that handles the mules on the run out to the smelter? I'm one of them. Well, how's chances of hitching a ride with you in the morning? You'll have to get up early. All right, then. I'll get up early. Well, then stop wasting your breath on a lot of dang fool words. Use some on the kerosene lamp. Quick. Night. I lay awake, thinking about that jackhammer I'd heard working the supposedly inactive end of the Skull Canyon mine earlier that day. This didn't take too much pounding into my skull before I decided that Doyle was working on a vein for his own personal profit. I also knew that for him to convert the ore into gold, he had to get it to a smelter. So I figured that the mule skinner, Kangaroo, was the best place to start asking questions. Ah, it's funny how a sleepless night can sour the beauty of a desert sunrise. Come out, I had to rename all my mules. Big Gipper! 
Getting awful hot. Why, it ain't nothing, Sonny. Some days that old sun's got your tongue hanging out your fur. Gets a real nice tan. Uh, how do you stand it? Hey, what's that stomach pump doing way out here? Stomach pump? What in tarnation are you talking about? Oh, that's a clever name for a light airplane. Hey, looks like he's getting ready to give us a buzz. Hey, hey, Mules! Hey, you, Monroe! First thing I learned was if you ever want to panic a team of mules, just buzz them with an airplane. The second thing I learned was that little canyon we were approaching was loaded with armed horsemen who came galloping out like they were trying to make history at Tan Foran. The gunman didn't do anything to me except hold me at bay while the plane picked itself a landing and disgorged its one-man air force. Buenos dias, amigos. Ah, you don't look happy to see me. Maybe my friend scares you with their guns, eh? Hey, old man. Who is this new boy who ride with you today? His name's Dolly. Uh, right now, I wish it was Hopalong Transity. Well, let me introduce myself. They call me El Puerco. That's because I look like a pig. <laughs> but maybe it is because I'm so greedy, too. I want what you got with you. Why, Galdin, your miserable son beats high. Now, take you. it easy, old-timer. It's well, okay. All I've got on me is a wristwatch and a few bucks. Let them have them. And besides, what's he going to do with a wagon load of unrefined gold ore? <laughs> you talk like a little boy. I know what you have with you. And I know where it is. It's under the seat. Little white bags. $30,000 of pure gold. In just a moment, we will return to the second act of Johnny Dollar. But first, hardly a clue to start on. And the witnesses' stories at hopeless variance. That was the job that the Birmingham, Alabama police faced in the murder called The Case of the Hue and Cry. Later tonight on Gangbusters, Birmingham's own police chief comes to CBS to tell you how they tracked down the apparently unmotivated murder. Be sure to hear this true-to-life police story reenacted on Gangbusters. Gangbusters and the Adventures of Philip Marlowe are regular Saturday night features on most of these same CBS stations. Now with our star, Charles Russell... We return to the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. So there I was, Johnny Dollar, efficiency expert. 
I'd efficiently gotten myself in trouble. I was efficiently letting El Puerco walk off with a large pot of your gold and stood a good chance of efficiently getting myself shot in the belly. Well, we are amused. I feel better now the gold is in my little aeroplane. I hope you're not mad with me. You know, I need the money to pay my taxes. <laughs> okay, okay, you got what you wanted. Why don't you take off and get out of here? That ding-dang rascal, he's probably figured on shooting us. Oh, no, old man. I'm a very scientific bandido. You think I want to shoot you and get killed myself for murder? Oh, no. I let your mules do the dirty work. Well, Manuel, Pedro, Manito, here, adelante. Take this man and tie them up. Tie them to the stair back to back. And the rest of you tie up the mules in a circle around them, in nice and close. Then I will get them a little aeroplane and dive on the mules. And the mules will kick their heads off. <laughs> Pitching horseshoes may be fun, but not when they're being pitched at your head by a mule. Once we were tied back to back on the stake, the nearest available technical advisor, Kangaroo, was anything but encouraging. That's your trouble with a gold darn mule. When they get riled up, they think with their feet. Here he comes. We showed him. Yeah. I ain't stunned mules 40 years for nothing. I can handle them. Oh, nice going, kangaroo. Now, listen, Sonny, I got me idea. Yeah, what is it? Well, go something like this. <laughs> hey! <laughs> oh! Just as the idea, whatever it was, hit kangaroo, a hoof from one of the mules scored a ringer around my cranium. Ah, the stars look beautiful. They came out in the shape of a horseshoe. And as I slipped into that familiar Betty Bye for private eyes, the world of hit-on-the-head darkness, I could hear Kangaroo's advice, too little and too late. Uh, there, you see? You can never trust a mule. Never trust a mule. Never trust a mule. Long time later, the curtains of my eyelids went up on the next act. But something was wrong. The stage was still dark. The stars were still there, but not in a horseshoe pattern. I closed my eyes and dreamed some more. I was lying near an oasis in the Sahara Desert, and a beautiful maiden was bending over me, kissing me. She was breathing hard. And she could have used some sense then. Huh? Nugget, get away from me, you mangy cur. Nugget, get away from me. John, are you frightened? Huh? What? Uh, Jackie, what are you doing out here? Well, take it easy, pal. It's a darn good thing I am out here. You getting yourself kicked in the head. That's just say the wrong end of a horse got mixed up with the wrong end of a mule. Where's kangaroo? Where are the mules? What's going on? Johnny, relax, relax. Kangaroo and the mules are on their way back to the mine. Oh, where's uh, Pancho Tortilla? Who? There was a Mexican bandit out here, the greatest piece of typecasting since the Gutenberg Bible. Oh, El Puerco. Yeah. Yeah, Kangaroo told me about him. Come on now. Try to get up. Come on. Oh. Uh, yeah. Mm. 
Hey, what happened to you? Your clothes are all torn. Yeah. This is Mr. Doyle's idea of a proposal of marriage. We were mm -hmm. supposed to fly off together to South America tonight. Been planning it for a long time. Well, what made you change your mind? Oh, you know how it is. Best laid plans of mice and men. Oh, yeah. You're talking to an expert. If everything went all right for me, where would I be next week? Same time, same station. But, but what's your angle? I told you before. I came out to Skull Canyon to marry a man. I've reason to believe that Doyle did away with him. To get his job so he could milk the mine. Well, I stayed on and acted just interested enough in Doyle to get him nice and relaxed. Hoping he'd spill something. Well, so far all it's been is bragging up life in South America with him. Oh. Now, I, I hope you can help me. And I know I can help you. How? Well, Doyle set up a refining layout right in the mine. When the gold he's been stealing comes out, it's pure gold. Aha! Uh -huh. Then somebody in the mine must have tipped off El Puerco. Mm-hmm, Doyle did. Oh. He and El Puerco are working together. El Puerco's job was to get the gold across the border and you out of the way. I see. Well, listen, you ever been in the mine? I mean, could you show me the way the refining layout? Oh, no, no. Doyle's never let me inside. Well, how about the charts of the mine? They're in the safe. I've got the combination. If we can just get in without Doyle seeing me, I can get him. Now, leave that to me. Come on, let's get going. If... Wait a minute. How do we get back? Well, I came out in the Jeep. Oh, my aching head. Uh, this is close enough, Star Eyes. We better pull up right here. All right. Now get quiet. Say. The wedding may be off, but it sounds like the reception is still on. No, that's the regular Saturday night square dance. Oh. Well, look, from here, which way is the office? I I'm lost. It's right over here. Oh. Come on, I'll show you. You were in it yesterday. When we rounded the corner of the office building, my heart was doing a dozy doe. the safe was open, and so was the mouth of the fellow in front of us. But he wasn't saying anything. He was lying on the floor, dead. El Puerco, the pig. Oh, what a spot for a big red apple. Johnny, he's dead. He must come back for something. Kangaroo must have caught up with him. Oh, whoever caught up with him, caught up with him, but good. Come on, let's go take a look for Kangaroo. Careful, darling. Dor may be in there. Boy, tight spots really give that word darling a good workout, don't they? Okay, darling. Wait out here. I'll be careful. Uh, say, partner, huh? you seen kangaroo around here? Kangaroo? Yeah. Well, sure. Kangaroo came in here uh, looking for Doyle. Well, did he find him? Well, uh, don't know. Doyle went over to the mine. Is that where kangaroo went? Well, if I was looking for Doyle, that's where I'd go. Thank you, bottleneck. I don't know why I was in such a hurry heading straight into trouble. But the trouble started popping before we got to it. Jackie was only guessing, but I could only hope she wasn't guessing right. Johnny. Hmm? Johnny, I thought I saw something flashing just inside. Probably somebody's last spark of life. Now, take it easy. You stay right here. I'll move in from the side of the entrance. No, I don't... Oh, all right. Be careful. 
He sure got you good, partner. Okay, Jackie, you can relax. The right man got it, your play man. Mr. Doyle. Hey, kangaroo, you can come on now. Everything's all right. It's us, Jackie and Dollar. Hey, you are. Don't make a move, or I'll shoot you down. Hey, what? What the? Harry! Stay away, stop. Larry, you mean the guy you thought was dead? The guy you were supposed to marry? Yes. Oh, Larry. Larry, darling. I'll, I'll kill you. No. Oh, Larry. Larry, what's happened to you? I was killed. It wasn't worth waiting for anyway. Oh, well, kangaroo, I'm glad your first interest was feeding your mules so that you didn't get mixed up in all that shooting. Yep. Poor. Well, I'll tell you, when three bad eggs like Hodges and Doyle and El Puerco get together double-crossing each other, they all gotta wind up in the omelet. Dead. Sure feels good to get your boots off. That uh, Larry feller thought he was pretty smart, holding up in that mine with his own private smelter, using Doyle for a front. The only thing was, he didn't figure on Doyle falling in love with his woman. Yeah, who wouldn't? Hey, hmm? for a young fella, you sure talk a lot. How about using some of that breath you're wasting on that kerosene lamp, huh? Right. Expense account, item four, $6.10. One quart snake bite medicine... 32 ounces of prevention in uh, case a snake should bite me. Item five, $3.40, with which I purchased the nicest gift I could think of for a gal in Jackie Moreland's position. A telegram to you, requesting that you give her a job she very much deserved, the managership of the Skull Canyon Mine. You see, when she first found out that man she was gonna marry didn't love her, she took out her affection on the territory, which makes me very sorry that I wasn't born in the state of Arizona. Uh, expense account item six, $164.35. Uh, transportation, Twin Buttes to Hartford. Uh, expense account total, $947.99. Which makes just about as much sense as you can make without making it a dollar. Signed, yours, uh, no charge for that double talk. Uh, truly, Johnny Dollar. <laughs> Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is produced and directed by Gordon T. Hughes and stars Charles Russell. Script by Paul Dudley and Gil Dowd. Featured in the cast were Doris Singleton, John Daner, Willard Waterman, Fred Howard, and Don Diamond. The special music is written and conducted by Leith Stevens. Your announcer is Paul Masterson.
Be sure to be with us at the same time next week when another unusual expense account is handed in by... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Music Popular and Music Western are on the bill for CBS listeners again tonight. Vaughn Monroe and his band will present the five top tunes of the week, plus Army and Navy marching songs, Anchors Away, On Brave Old Army Team, and many others. Gene Autry follows right on the heels of Vaughn's caravan with favorites straight from the land of sagebrush and six guns. For an hour of wonderful music, hear Vaughn Monroe's caravan and the Gene Autry Show tonight and every Saturday on most of these same CBS stations. Stay tuned now for Vaughn Monroe's Caravan, which follows immediately on most of these stations. This is CBS, where yours truly, Johnny Dollar, meets adventure every Saturday night, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thanks for joining us at 1001 Radio Days, your home for the best of Golden Age Radio, when radio was king. If you enjoyed tonight's show, please do take a moment and send us a review. We always appreciate reviews, and they help new listeners find us. Until next time, this is your host, John Hagedorn. Stay safe, and we'll be back soon at 1001 Radio Days. And one note, don't forget to pick up 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and we'll be back soon. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.